Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. We pray that this message will help you in your walk with Christ. Our current sermon series is Gearing Up for a Fantastic Fall. The title of Dr. Dorch's sermon today is Get Rid of Excuses. The big idea is God has an answer for every excuse we have for not doing His will. Last Sunday, I began a new sermon series, Gearing Up for a Fantastic Fall. We talked about the importance of beginning with the basics, and there is nothing for people of faith more basic than our confession that Jesus is Lord and that we believe in Him because the Bible tells us that when we make that profession of faith, we will be saved. This morning, as you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Exodus, the fourth chapter. We're going to look at a second opportunity that we have in gearing up for a fantastic fall, which is to drop all of our excuses. Let them go, each and every one. Hear now the reading of God's word as it comes to us from Exodus, the fourth chapter, beginning with verse 10. Where Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to Moses, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what you should say. But Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. And the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak, and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him, but take this staff in your hands so you can perform miraculous signs with it. May God add his blessings to this, the reading of his word. You've heard the old saying that if you really don't want to do something, then any excuse is as good as another, and that principle. If you don't want to do something, you can always find an excuse. It's remarkable how it applies to so many areas in life, including, including our faith. I have a colleague who not too many years ago retired from his church. He was a pastor of a congregation in North Alabama. And evidently, evidently in his church, he had become so weary with excuses that his members were raising that he decided one week I'm going to devote my pastor's column to an upcoming event that I'm going to call a No Excuse Sunday. And, and so he wrote an entire pastor's column on that. 
we're going to have in the coming Sundays a no-excuse Sunday. Have you ever heard of a no-excuse Sunday? What would something like that even look like? Well, according to my friend on that Sunday in his church, he told them, we're going to have cots out in the vestibule for those of you who say that Sunday is the only day that you have to sleep in late. And on our No Excuse Sunday, we're going to provide blankets for all of you who say you cannot come to church because the sanctuary is too cold. And we will have fans for those of you who always say the sanctuary is too hot. And we'll provide scorecards for you who would like to come and keep score of how many hypocrites are present. And then the coup de grace, the crowning blow. He said on our No Excuse Sunday, we're going to decorate the sanctuary with Christmas poinsettias and Easter lilies for all of you who have never seen the sanctuary without them. Now I said my friend retired from the church. But he did so out of his own will. How he managed to stay to that point is beyond me. Clearly, he was such an able pastor. They, they understood his heart. He had been there long enough. They knew that he cared about the people and that, in part, he was writing tongue-in-cheek. And they got the message. And my hope is you get the message that when it comes to excuses, there are no more capable excuse makers than those of us who claim Christ as Savior and Lord, those of us who call ourselves people of faith. And as we look at Scripture, evidently this pattern has gone on among people of faith for thousands of years. Going back all the way to the days of Moses, when Moses was living in the land of Midian. You'll remember how Moses got to Midian. He had grown up an adopted child of privilege in Pharaoh's court. And yet, as the Bible tells us, one day Moses saw an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew slave, one of his own people, and Moses became incensed, took up his brother's cause, killed the Egyptian, hid his body in the sand. But in due time, Moses' deed became public knowledge. Pharaoh got wind of it. Pharaoh was looking for Moses. Moses had to flee Egypt. And he left his adopted home, his place of privilege, 
and journeyed to a far-off country, Midian, on the backside of nowhere, where he took a wife, became responsible for his father-in-law's flock, and decided that in Midian he would he would spend as quietly as possible the rest of his life until, until God appeared to Moses on the backside of nowhere in the land of Midian, the burning bush, to call Moses to return to Egypt for a special mission. Go back to Egypt, God tells Moses. And go to Pharaoh and go to my people and tell them that I am about to move and to redeem them from their Egyptian bondage. Now go and do what I command you to do. And how does Moses respond? He responds with a litany. A litany of excuses, a long list. Who am I that, that, you would, that you would commission me for this high calling? And, and who are you that you would ask me to do such a thing? And what if I go and no one listens to me. And now the excuse that is before us this morning in the text that I've read for you. I don't know how to speak. I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech. A litany of excuses. And how does God respond to Moses' excuses? The text tells us that the Lord's wrath burned against Moses. That even in spite of the fact that there are many places in Scripture where the Bible tells us that God is rich in mercy, slow to anger, patient with his people, there clearly comes a time when God becomes weary of our excuses where God has it up to heaven with our excuses and as with Moses, God reminds us that when it comes to doing what God gives us to do, it really isn't about our ability or our capacity. Instead, it is about who God is and how God empowers the ways in which God moves to work in us and through us to do what God gives us to do. Who gave man his mouth? I did. And I am telling you to go, and as you go, I will be with you, and I will provide for you. Here comes Aaron, your brother, he knows how to speak. I will give to both of you everything that you are supposed to say. We, we miss it in our English translations. But in the Hebrew, the original language, 
of the Old Testament. God is reminding Moses how when it comes to fulfilling God's call, it's not about us. It's all about God and what God can do through us when God appeared to Moses at the burning bush and in that place that became holy ground, God revealed his name to Moses. You'll remember. Who are you? I am. I am who I am. Or the Hebrew can be translated in the future tense. I will be who I will be now when Moses balks and raises this most recent excuse, God reminds Moses, I will be with you and I will show you the way. If in fact the fulfillment of the call of God depended upon us and upon our prowess and our strength and our wisdom and ingenuity and our capacity, however you quantify that, if, if, if the fulfillment of God's call depended on us, we would have reason to be concerned. Absolutely. But what this text is telling us is that all of our excuses, any of them, whatever excuse we might come up with, pales in comparison to the power of God. What God calls his people to do, God will in fact empower them to do it. Now in theological terms, we call this grace. Normally, you hear the word grace and you think of grace as, as pardon. And indeed it is. The most precious promise that we are given in Scripture is that God has drawn near to us in the person of Jesus to, in fact, do for us what we could never do for ourselves through our faith in Christ, what God has done in sending Jesus to die on the cross our sins are forgiven. We don't deserve that. It's totally unmerited. The pardon that we have from all of our transgressions, yes, yes, that is at the core of what it means to be people of faith. And yet, there is another side of that coin that we don't pay nearly enough attention to. Grace not only refers to pardon, it also refers to power. To power. God's resurrection power. The very power that brought Jesus from the grave is available to us. If we will only open ourselves to it. How incredible it is that the people of God remain fettered, chained, paralyzed by their excuses instead of trusting in the provision of God. 
God's inexhaustible grace, God's all-sufficient grace, God's grace that goes with his people, doing in them and through them what only God can do. How much, how much we miss in the course of our life when we fail to take upon ourselves and into our hearts every provision that God has for us. You know the name John D. Rockefeller. You know at least the Rockefeller family without question one of the wealthiest families in these United States of America, a family that has been at the top of every list of wealthy individuals since the early part of the 20th century. And it all stems back to John D. Rockefeller, who was the founder and chief executive officer of the Standard Oil Company At one time, in the early part of the 20th century, John D. Rockefeller owned 3% of the nation's gross domestic product. Try to wrap your mind around that. I mean, we're talking real wealth. For the purpose of an inflation-calculated wealth portfolio today that would equate to somewhere in the neighborhood of 431 billion that's with a b 431 billion dollars that's a lot of money and yet one of rockefeller's children lived her life with this pronounced anxiety that one day she would become destitute. Isn't that incredible? A family with those kinds of resources. A child in that family, concerned, paralyzed, fettered, by this fear that one day, one day, I'm not going to have anything. And yet, while we hear that story and say to ourselves, that just makes no sense. A Rockefeller worrying of all things about running out of money. How many times, as a child of the king, do we sell not so much ourselves short, we sell God short because of our doubts that when God calls us to do something, God has the capacity 
to resource us for it. You know this Mount Brook Baptist Church is standing on the threshold of the next great thing that God wills to do in the soon-to-be, next month, 77-year history of this church. As God has worked in such wondrous ways in days past, there is every reason for us to believe that God is going to be doing greater things in the months and weeks and years to come. The only thing, the only thing that can keep this Mountain Brook Baptist Church from realizing the good future that God has for us to know is by leaning on our excuses instead of trusting in God's power shown completely to us through the risen Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Excuses like, well, you know, we're in the midst of a senior minister transition. And it's probably best for us just to hold tight, wait till the next senior minister gets here and let that senior minister get his feet on the ground and then maybe then we'll be in a position to do what God has given us to do. Yes, we are in the midst of a transition. That's, that's reality. But, but to believe that we're in a holding pattern because of that reality shortchanges what God wills to do in us and through us, and besides, besides, it's been the truth throughout the 77 years of this Mountain Brook Baptist Church, in spite of the fact that there have been some fantastic senior ministers, top-shelf leaders in Baptist life. The genius of what God has done in this church has not been because of any senior minister it's been because of the faithfulness and the openness and the trustworthiness of God's people. Well, you, you know, Doug, that we're, we're struggling with a variant. We're still in this pandemic. And how much can we do with everybody in masks and Social distancing and how long is this going to go on? And sure seems that if more people don't get vaccinated, we're just going to be living with some variant every year or so. Yeah, that's, that's reality as well. But the notion of how, you know, maybe we need to wait until we get control of this present variant. No. Oh. God is greater than any virus and any variant. And just as God saw us through in such an incredible fashion over this past year, 
It matters not what comes our way in the days ahead. God is capable if we'll just trust in him. That's not an excuse. Well, well, you know, we're living in such polarizing times. I mean, people are so divided. Everything has become politicized. Even the virus and vaccines. Yes, that is a sad reality. But in this Mountain Brook Baptist Church, we have never come together because of anything other than our commitment to Jesus. It matters not your political party. It matters not your view on economics or your financial capacity. I don't care what you do or where you came from. That's never been what has brought this church together what has brought us together, what will keep us together, is nothing less than our openness to what God wills to do in us and through us. So I'm asking you, beginning today, let's make today at Mountain Brook Baptist Church a no-excuse Sunday. And then tomorrow, let's make it a no-excuse Monday, and the next day, a no-excuse Tuesday. And for that matter, let's just make every day a no-excuse day. For only then, only then will we know the blessings that come through God's amazing grace through our faith in Jesus Christ and the inexhaustible joy that those who yield themselves to him can know. If we're really serious about gearing up for a fantastic fall, that today is the time to drop the excuses and to replace all of our excuses with that marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. So that every day will be marked by the grace and the joy that being a part of that fantastically fulfilling work God gives us to do, that will be the witness of this church as it always has been and evermore shall be. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts. And as always, go out and do the Lord's good work.